0: do a drum roll.
1: Welcome to the BFE podcast, and I'll let you guess what the F stands for.
0: Wait, BFE? Frank?
1: Frank? Well, I can be perfectly frank and say you know.
0: Big effing exit.
1: I'm Randy Baker.
2: Oh, I'm Jessica Bernstein.
1: I'm Dr. Kent. Okay. So there's three of us, and we're ganging up on... Who we ganging up on today, we're ganging up on
0: Diane Prince. And she has many favorite F-words, she tells us at the end. Yeah.
1: So we talked to Diane about exits and failures and business and entrepreneurship and building to sell and, I don't know, you'll have to listen to the interview to find out the rest.
0: Also, uh, just, just as a trigger warning, if anyone has had a head injury by anvil, you'll want to not listen any further. Yeah, unfortunately, somebody gets hit. Oops, sorry. You'll have to look at who it is. So here's the interview with...
2: Diane Prince. So, Diane, I love your beautiful blue background. Thanks,
3: Jessica.
2: I'm a little bit jealous. We're trying to do a coastal theme in our brand new house, and so it's a little bit bare behind me, actually.
3: I've literally had so many iterations of Zoom painting my walls. I can't even tell you. I'm trying to figure out lighting now.
2: <laughs> nice. So tell me, Diane, You know what exactly does your company do? And then tell me a little bit about what you do there as well.
3: Well, so my current company, I coach founder, startup founders and small business owners, as well as entrepreneurs. And I've had Several businesses that I've started, scaled, and bootstrapped, and and exited from.
0: So you don't work with tall people, just small founders. Is that just, was <laughs> I not listening properly? No, I'm kidding.
3: I my my target client is between five foot four and five foot nine and a half.
1: So I I'm glad you said that because I'm a I'm a bit of a, a geek and I I'm looking at your home page and there's four numbers there that look really interesting to me. Um, we've got seven plus startups, so if you've got a size eight foot, you're not suitable. We've got three hundred million dollars in revenue. We've got five successful exits. That's really interesting. But the number there that's most interesting to me is two thousand plus hires. Who have you hired for two thousand people? That's crazy.
3: Well, well, it helps it helps that a lot of my businesses were staffing and recruitment related. So my first business that I built to $50 million in six years was a staffing agency. And we had thousands. I mean, if you can, we had uh, the average pay was $25 an hour. Actually, that was like the bill rate. It was a lot of the minimum wage was a lot lower than. So if you can imagine having million dollar billing weeks with those kind of rates. So, yeah, I've I've been hiring since 1996. So it's it's been a
2: lot. And you've been in the business for what 25 years i've been in
3: several different businesses since then so i've been in i've i started my first business in 96 so i've been in the business of entrepreneurship and starting scaling and selling companies since then and for the last six years i've been helping other companies so i i exited my last company well that was actually a crash and burn so that was not one of the five successful exits oh. <laughs> that was in 20 <laughs> in 2015 so I've been helping other founders to to be successful in their businesses for the last six years
2: tell me a little bit about that crash and burn I want to know the juicy oh details gosh. there
3: <laughs> <laughs> you know there are so much I mean I the, one of the reasons why I have done a lot is because I go after things, but I also I have learned that I need to do more planning. and I was a, I was a solo founder. I, one thing that I, I know that is the most there, I think it's it Bill Gross has a TED talk on this that the most what is it the common indicator to know if a startup is going to succeed or not is timing. That's like the most common um, indicator. And I think my my that business didn't have great timing. The market was pretty saturated. We were also that was my first business having inventory. So I took things that I had learned from staffing and recruiting. And I recruited a whole bunch of women to sell clothing that I had manufactured in Los Angeles. But it was just it was it was it was a complicated business model. It's pretty saturated. Clothing was kind of saturated at the time. And I was also a solo founder. And I ended up I write about this a lot and speak about this and I talk about hiring and also knowing when to fire the wrong people and managing people and being a solo founder in that business, some of my critical mistakes were keeping the wrong people for too long, because I wasn't as confident being a solo founder. And also, it was really hard for me to wrap my arms around inventory that got that was really complicated. I dove into something that I didn't really know a lot about. And then I was supposed to get funded. I had funding lined up and that fell through. And so that's um, I believe that the only there's there's a lot of factors that can lead to why a startup fails. But I believe that really the ultimate reason is that the founder has stopped, has decided to stop trying to solve the problems within the business. Because anything you can really solve, I mean, you can get money, you can pivot, you can change your, you know, your product. Um, But yeah, the wall exactly I keep trying I just keep trying
0: (laughs) so if people are listening to this it's kind of overwhelming to hear all of the different I mean seven successful exits this one that kind of crashed and burned Um, I'm sure you're working on seven new projects right now the or 70 how do you keep your your sort of feet on the ground with all these different hands up in the air
3: yeah, I actually only work on one thing right now. And it's, it's, I, do, I stopped doing all the hard things. So now I help other people do the hard things. And it's really interesting, because a lot of my clients, when I talk to them, and one of one of my questions is like, what how do you see yourself? You know, what's your vision and your future? And a lot of them say doing what you're doing, which is basically sitting on the other side of um, Zoom and talking them through and helping them and acting as a sounding board to help them to make the decisions in their business.
1: Diane, I'm, I'm thinking in terms of, of entrepreneurs and a large number of people believe they want to become an entrepreneur. They believe they can start a business. They believe they can do it. Do you think everybody should try
3: well, I think it, I, I love that question, Randy. I think it really depends. I think it's really important to, before you venture out on a, on a business, to really think about how you wanna live your life because every business decision that you make affects how your life looks. And so it's very, and it's one thing to start a business and then maintain it, grow it, have a mature business, Because that, you know, like once you get it, if you are one of the lucky ones that gets it off the ground, a lot of people then really are prisoners to their business. Like I've seen so many founders who then hate their business and they can't wait to get rid of it. It's so common where... In startups, like you're watching every penny at the very beginning, and then at the end, it's like you're just willing to walk away from millions to just get rid of the damn thing. So, I think that's really what's what's at stake is is how you live your life. And so, even if you have an idea and and it's it's validated, it's still it's it's a whole different way of life to um, to run a business. So, no, I don't think I don't think that everyone is suited for entrepreneurship.
1: The other side of that question is. Timing is all important for both starting and, I'm going to say, ending a business because a lot of entrepreneurs wait till it's too late and their business collapses around them. They can't do anything, whereas they could have gotten out earlier. Families get destroyed. Houses become lost. All sorts of terrible things can happen. Um, At what point should a, a business person, an entrepreneur, say, this is the time to make that really tough decision and close
3: down. Gosh, I wish I had I wish I had an answer for that. I can tell you from my personal experience, it was when we knew that we had and, and I'm talking about my first business. That was that was the biggest one that I built. And that was and I can talk about my second one too. That was well, there are there are different kinds of like sometimes I sold businesses when it was like we knew it was we had to get out. Like it was just the timing, it was, you know, management, the team. There were just different things that it just wasn't working for us anymore. But with the one that I I sold to a public company that was my first business, it just it got so stressful for us. Honestly, that was part of it. And also that was part of our goal. Like we had written in our business plan that we wanted to see if we could start a business and grow it to sell it. So that was that was part of our whole strategy. So at the beginning, we got people, we got offers, but they were they just weren't what we were looking for. Like we were looking to build something big and we knew that we had something really successful that was going to create that we had that would create a lot of value. We probably after we sold, we thought it was we looked back and thought it was too early. But that's just hindsight. And it was also right before the 2008 crash that we sold it. So for a few years, we thought it was too early. And then who knows, I I don't I don't really know the answer to that. I think it's all so it's all so personal. I mean, every exit I've made has had had there's been like a super personal reason why the person who bought it bought it. So it's not all about the numbers. It's about, you know, sometimes people forget that like investors and VCs, we're all people, right? So there's always different reasons why people exit and also purchase companies
0: so for somebody who hasn't uh, exited i'm I'm still in the building um the concept has always been foreign to me so the the you talked there about sort of building to sell and i've I've found that phrase to kind of be something I don't understand so I often ask people about it and kind of since you brought it up'm curious how you feel about building something I'm not saying that you did build that to sell it necessarily because you built a quality company clearly mm-hmm. but the difference between you know business bros at age 22 building something and trying to sell it versus building a company of real value is that something what are your views on that kind of as we push forward into the further into the great beyond
3: <laughs> yeah i mean it's you know differences in my like so i started building businesses in the in the 90s before the whole like you know tech scene and Silicon Valley and all that stuff, or like when that was was just getting started. So I, again, I think it's very personal, like, I think it goes back to how you want to live your life, because, you know, in some ways, if we had just run that business, I mean, there's other people that started similar businesses back then when we did who still have them. And they're super successful. And they're billion, you know, multi billion dollar businesses. So I really just, I really think it's just a, it's a personal choice. And um, I think that's great. You know, like I I can look at them and I I try not to compare myself to other people. because It doesn't bring me happiness, but you know, like I'll look at them and say, that's, that's awesome for them. You know, that's for me, I'm much more of a, I'm much more of a starter builder and then I want to move on to something else. So I really think it's, entrepreneurship is so personal and it depends on, on how, how how you are and what your entrepreneurial style is.
0: So the starter builder is like the zero to one person.
3: Zero. What do you mean by that? What's zero to one?
0: Uh, the person who has the big idea, builds the thing, and they say, "Okay, now you you run it. You do all that other yeah. stuff. It's boring."
3: Yeah, it gets, and it's a different skill. You know, it's a different skill set. I think you know, some people like look at Sarah Blakely. Like some people are really good at starting and hustling, and then building it, and then running it. And you know, I mean, for the long haul, some people have that range. I don't think that I have that, that same range.
1: If we go down to WeWorks on any given day, particularly before COVID, you could walk through and you could see literally 20 or 30, 20 or 30 something sitting there pounding away on their keyboards, drinking their lattes and talking loudly on their phones.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And nearly every one of them was building an app in the hope that Google would buy it. Mm -hmm. I've seen a a trend recently where people are not building what they hope to be great or strong businesses. They're building it for a quick turn. I'm not saying that's bad, Mm -hmm. but is this an indication of the need for society today to have some form of instant gratification rather than having uh, deferred gratification, which is what people who build great businesses are looking for?
3: Yeah, I mean, I I think so. I think it's it's become such a thing where the actual the pitching and that that's become the thing more than building a business. You know, like I I did build that business to sell, but I I built a really solid business that was, you know, that that made a lot of difference in a lot of people's lives. And it was a business. You know, back then you were a business owner. Like you wouldn't say you were an entrepreneur unless you were Donald Trump. And now it's such a, it's such a thing. And there's a, you know, there's a whole, there's a whole ecosystem and a whole business around it. So maybe it's instant. I think maybe part of it is instant gratification and maybe part of it is playing into that whole, you know, who can, who can blame these, these new entrepreneurs? I mean, it's part of the whole like ecosystem and the Silicon Valley thing. And, you know, look, like it's, it kind of blows my mind. I mean, I, I started a job board in 2000, And I had a Silicon Valley advisor come talk to us. And his advice was just to build market share, not to worry about a profit. And that to me wasn't, that didn't make sense to me. That wasn't how, like I was used to building profitable businesses. And so we didn't take that advice. And the job board ran for 13 years successfully as a a profitable business. So I think it's, um, you know, it it is very different but um, yeah, so I don't know if it's instant gratification or more like it's become just it's become an option. Like it's become an option for founders to start something that never even is a business or it never even makes a profit. They make money. They they can, you know, make money from getting, you know, they get money from investors and then they move on to the next thing.
0: It's almost like the the hype they're selling, the hype and they don't need the product underneath it. Right.
3: Yeah. And that's when, when the the company that failed that I was talking about that fashion business. So I went to get funding and it was, and and I kind of got into that whole thing. Like I was pitching and doing all that stuff. And yeah, it was, it was tough because then it, 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 that does become, you know, what you do instead of really building a profitable business. That's why I tell people, you know, if you're, if you're starting out with an app, say, you can figure out you can get traction and you can start you can you can start by a white glove kind of a solution where there's thing. you know there's ways that you can build it and test it without before you build your technology and i really believe in i love bootstrapping and i believe in revenue and that way you know even if you don't get funded you still have a business you know even if it doesn't turn out to be the billion dollar business that you might hope it it is
0: so how do you define bootstrapping? I mean, I love I love the term, love the concept. I've always bootstrapped everything that I've done. What? How do you define
3: it with your clients? Yeah, I mean, I define bootstrapping by building through revenue, not going out there and pitching to like angels. And I mean, maybe, maybe, I mean, you know, everybody, every business needs money. And I think that is super important, too. I mean, I could, I talk about too, like I could go off on like people bringing in people without, like I get asked all the time, how do I, how do I build a team and hire people without any money? I'm like, you can't, you, know, you can't do it legally, but, um, you know, at least here in the U.S. So yeah, but I define bootstrapping by building through, through revenue.
1: I'm trying to think about how the best way to word this question, Jeff Bezos, let's, let's talk about him and his theory with, um, Amazon, which was when he was selling books, he was losing five or seven dollars on every book that was purchased and mm-hmm. I remember back in 2000, 2001, he said, it's not about the profit, it's not even about the revenue, it's about getting the market and the market will eventually catch up and sooner or later I'll make profit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know that he ever did make profit selling books. So that was that's a question that Kent might be able to answer. But we see that today too. People are all about revenue and not about profit. Do you see that as being a potential problem going forward?
3: I see it as a huge problem, but again, there's so many different levels and layers to entrepreneurship. so so few people are in that are successful in that ecosystem, you know like Jack Dorsey or Jeff Bezos and you know some people, I don't know. I I I believe in profit. Like I think it's so important. I believe in old fashioned like building a business, even if it is you know obviously technology or apps or things like that. That to me and, and you know I know a lot of people are sick I mean obviously Jeff Bezos is incredibly successful. That's just not in my. That's not in my wheelhouse.
0: So speaking uh, speaking of of uh, all these these older white white dudes who are super successful you're not that you are successful but you're not an old white man so women entrepreneurs have had some trouble but there's some wind starting to be at their backs these days and speaking of jeff bezos his wife has got lots and lots of money and she's putting it towards female entrepreneurs and so on curious as to what you see in the world going forward. Um, and if if that's a critical kind of uh, issue for you.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it is. When I was a solo founder, that was the, I'm obviously a female founder. And my other businesses I had, my my co-founders were male. And it was a lot, it was a lot easier. And it wasn't really even, didn't even come up as an issue for me. Because you know, I was walking into the into a rooms with three white men. You know, it was like always. You know, we were we were a team. So um, in some ways, I think that like that almost like gave me credibility walking into rooms. It was what it was way different when, and there were other reasons too when I was a solo founder. But I do think I do think it's really important. I think it's it's still even though. I guess a lot of progress is made. I don't know. I, I I participate in several several forums with female entrepreneurs, and there's still there's so much progress that that needs to be made.
0: In full disclosure, there, I'm not the youngest white dude either. So, um, you know, full full awareness. Uh, <laughs> and neither is Randy. Just FYI. Um, so and 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 looks like Jessica has stepped aside uh, today because she was I think an anvil fell on her. Uh, is that right, Randy? Is that what our news is? Yeah, uh, I'm waiting for the pigeon to arrive with the truth. But I think an anvil <laughs> dropped on her head. Yes.
3: Oh no. So
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna have to ask the question that she loves to ask because the show is called BFE, which is Big Effin Exit, and uh-huh. F doesn't always stand for the things that it we you know might think it stands for so what's your favorite f word
3: oh wow well i mean i do love the f word the the f word <laughs> the
0: the one yeah the f word.
3: i don't know i like cho- i like chocolate fudge too so I, fudge. <laughs> I, enjoy, I enjoy fudge
0: <laughs> Well, growing up in the midwest you you were always allowed to say oh fudge yeah so i like that that's good that's uh-huh. good
3: yeah yeah yeah
0: and what was the best fudge you ever had
3: well, I did. You mentioned the Midwest. I used to have a house in northern Wisconsin, and they had this little fudge shop in Minocqua that was. Uh, I know Minocqua. Yeah. Do I you grew up yeah. in
0: Minnesota? So yeah. Okay. Sure.
3: Okay. Yeah. yeah okay. So you know, good so old-fashioned can... chocolate fudge, no nuts. <laughs> I don't like the ones with nuts. Peanut so, butter is okay.
0: Oh, I love peanut butter, uh, Randy. Save us. <laughs> I, I
1: dislike peanut butter. So there we go. Um, <laughs> yeah, I,
3: I would. I, I would think that from from. The sound of
1: your voice. Yeah. From your yeah,
3: accent. Yeah, veggie
0: mite I would not picked it. <laughs> Vegemite. Yeah. Vegemite is the worst sounding thing. There are mites <laughs> and there are veggies and they don't belong together. Yeah, and it's got nothing to do with eyes It's That's right. Yeah. Sorry. Well, for that matter, peanut butter is not made of butter, right? That was... Oh, Jessica, I already asked your favorite question. I asked the thing about the, um, the F word. The but uh, maybe you can ask her about another F word.
2: I mean, I can tell you what my favorite f-word is, um, especially with a six-month-old sometimes, but we won't go into that.
1: <laughs> it's too late.
2: <laughs> yeah, tell us. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm good. We'll, we'll leave it as a clean, family-friendly <laughs> podcast here. <laughs> well, cool. Where can we uh, reach you, Diane, if uh, our audience wants to get in touch? So
3: my website is dianeprince.co.co. And all of my contact information is there. I'm easy to find if you Google Diane Prince, you'll you'll find me too. I, I'm actually it's you know Diana Prince is Wonder Woman's civilian name, so she comes up too. But, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but Diane Diane Dian Prince, not Diana Diane Prince.
2: Dot. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure to speak with you. Yeah. Thanks, guys.
1: Well, thank you, Diane. That was really great. I'm sure Jessica totally enjoyed that
0: conversation.
2: (laughs) As you all know, the anvil did fall on my head. However, I am still alive to tell the tale.
0: There's little birds chirping around the head, you know, like little, uh, they're tweeting.
2: They're friendly, uh, so it's
0: okay. No, the birds are tweeting about politics. That was the joke, the bad joke. Because it's election day. That's true. Well, it was election day when we recorded this, yeah.
1: So, thank you, Diane. That was a, a great conversation. I know we're being a little bit
0: lighthearted right now,
1: but you covered some really interesting and really important subjects. So, thank you for that.
0: Yeah, particularly seven seven exits, one failed exit. I mean, I, if, if I were starting out, if I were thinking about building something, there's so much value in just kind of living through your eyes. And then this constant refrain that, that you were telling us that it's about profit and that and bootstrapping, which is, you know, Randy, that's right up up your playbook alley. Absolutely.
1: And then as I think about bootstrapping, I think about how do you find clients, customers? How do you connect with investors? How do you do any of those things that business people forget to do? And with social media being all the rage and being the easiest way to connect with people, we often get it very wrong. So at Thought Partner Group, we decided to do something about that. And we created something called the ResonateEngine.com.
0: Wait, you said the? I don't think the's part of the URL. Hey, uh, Jessica, is it the ResonateEngine.com? Just
2: ResonateEngine.com. The guys actually have a really fun video, so you guys should check it out.
0: Two E's, not after C, in the middle there of of the address.
1: So it's just plain old www.resonateengine.com right that's it